Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Today we're going to talk about how to be a dispenser of God's grace. The last few months we've been studying God's grace and we have seen there are two basic definitions for God's grace. First, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. And that is salvation and all that's involved in the Christian life. All the blessings of God are ours because of what Christ has accomplished. But there's a second definition to grace, and that is God's enabling power. God's divine power at work in our lives. When you pray, it's God's grace that enables you to pray. When you study your Bible and understand your Bible, it's God's enabling power that enables you to understand it. In everything we do in the Christian life, we need God's divine enabling power. And that's grace. And so we're asking the question, how then do I as a Christian... Take hold of God's enabling power in my situation that will enable me to live in this situation in a way that glorifies God. When Paul wrote over in 2 Corinthians, my grace is sufficient. God said, my grace is sufficient for your greatest need. For in weakness, my power is perfected. What God meant by those words, my grace is sufficient is that my enabling power, my divine assistance, is sufficient to enable you to live in whatever circumstance you find yourself, whatever adversity, whatever trouble, whatever difficulty you find yourself, my divine assistance is able to make you live in that situation or enable you to live in that situation in a way that glorifies me. God doesn't eliminate our difficulties, our adversities, our problems. But what He does do is He gives us the power we need to live in that situation in a way that honors Him, in a way that glorifies Him. So we're asking now, how do I take hold of that power? I'm in a situation, I'm in a hard place, I'm in a difficulty. God, I'm not living in this in a way that glorifies You. Now, how do I reach up and take hold of that divine assistance that I need? Well, there are four basic ways that we do that. We've already seen one, and that's prayer. A few weeks ago, we saw over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 16, Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Prayer is a tremendous means to bring God's divine assistance into your human situation. And if you were not here when I preached on that, I encourage you to go online. Uh, The web address is there on the front of your bulletin, and you can listen to that sermon for free uh, on your computer. Now, let's move to the second way, the second primary means that God uses to bring His enabling power into our lives. And that is through other Christians. Through other Christians. God uses 
fellow Christians as one of his primary ways to dispense his grace in your life. That's why we need each other. That's why you cannot be a lone ranger Christian. You just cannot be. God created us to be a community, to be a family, to need each other. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because we need to come together as the body of Christ, as the family of Westside, because we need each other. And so today we're going to look at how can we dispense the grace of God to other people. Take your Bibles, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is our verse today, our two verses. We'll begin in verse 9 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now while you're finding that verse, I use the word dispenser. We are a dispenser of God's grace in a calculated way. Now let's think a moment. All of us are familiar with a soap dispenser, right? Okay. Now, what does that soap dispenser do? It is the means whereby the soap gets to your hands so that you can wash them. Now, the soap dispenser does not manufacture the soap. No. The company manufactures it. Somebody has to put the soap in the dispenser. But once it's in that dispenser, then it is available and you can use it through that dispenser. The dispenser is simply the means whereby the soap is transferred and made available for you to use it. Well, the same thing is about the grace of God. We don't manufacture the grace of God. God does that. We're simply the means, the dispenser of God's grace. Just like somebody has to put the soap in the dispenser before it can be used, God has to put His grace in us before we can be a dispenser of that grace. Now, over in Galatians chapter 2, what we're going to see is that Christ is in us as believers, and that is the beauty of God's grace at work in us. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. As a Christian, Christ lives in you by means of His Spirit. That's like the soap in the dispenser. Now, what you and I are to do is to allow the Spirit of Christ to minister the grace of God through our lives. We're the dispenser. We don't manufacture it. We just dispense it. Isn't that great? You're just to be the vessel, the instrument that Christ uses to minister His grace, His life, to other people. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. How can you be that dispenser? Now, you might ask the question as well. Well, who does God want me to, to dispense His grace to? Well, I could ask you the question, who does the soap manufacturer want the dispenser to dispense soap to? Anybody who comes up. Anybody who needs it. Right? The more soap you use, the more they sell. The more they sell, the more money they make. So they're not particular. Anybody that needs it, come use it. Well, I would say to you, God wants you to dispense His grace to anybody who comes into your life. Now listen to this. I believe all encounters are divine encounters. There are no accidents in life. God is in control of all the events in this world. 
And when you come in contact with somebody at work or at school, on the soccer field, uh, at the store, that's a divine encounter. God has engineered those circumstances, that situation, so that that person has encountered you, God's dispenser of grace. And what does God want you to do in that situation? He wants you to dispense His grace. That's what. He's brought them there for that purpose. For you to dispense His grace to them. He has brought them into your life. You are having a divine encounter with them so that you can minister the life of Christ to them. That Jesus can touch them through your life. Now, how does that come about? How do we do that? How do we be that dispenser? How do I minister the grace of God to people that I encounter? Well, that's what our passage tells us today. Second... Excuse me, 1 Thessalonians, beginning in chapter 5, verse 9. Paul says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. The people in Thessalonica at this time were thinking that maybe Jesus had already come back and so, so or they thought he was just going to come back in a little while, so some of them had quit working, thinking, Well, I don't need to work, he's coming back. So Paul basically writes to them and says, No, he hadn't come back yet. When he comes back you'll know it, and you need to work. If you don't work, don't eat. And he says right above this passage, live like Christians. Live like children of the light. And then he says, Therefore, because we are to live like children of light, like Christians, therefore encourage one another and build up one another. In other words, we need each other to help each other live like God would have us to live. And your responsibility as a Christian, now we're thinking about you being the dispenser now, not on the receiving end, but we're talking about you being on the giving end. But obviously the way you're to give grace is going to be the way you receive it as well from other people. Right? First, we are to parakaleo each other. Now, that word parakaleo obviously is not an English word. But the word that's translated encourage in your English translation is this Greek word, parakaleo. And it's important that we see the Greek word because it is such a rich word, no single English word can explain it or translate it. And most translators have chosen the word encourage, and that's one understanding of it. But it's much richer than that. And I think if we're really going to understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, we've got to unpack this word first of all. Because it tells us how we can dispense God's grace. Now the word is made up of the prefix para, which means alongside. Parallel lines. P-A-R-A is in the word parallel. Lines that run alongside each other. Alright? And the verb kaleo means to call. Alright? To call. So literally the word means to call alongside. And so this word was used in the New Testament Greek to call someone alongside another person. Now they came alongside that person for one of four reasons. And each of these reasons is tied up in the meaning of this word. You came alongside them to do something. 
and what you were to do is how we will dispense God's grace. First, you come alongside someone for the purpose of helping them. Right? To help someone. The word advocate uh, is translated to the English word that comes from this word to, to be an advocate of someone. To come alongside someone for the purpose of helping them. A lawyer is an advocate. He stands beside you in court to represent you, to help you in that situation. This word is used of the Holy Spirit. He's called the paraclete. comes from this word, parakletos. The one called alongside us. In fact, this is the word Jesus used to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, we who are filled with the Holy Spirit are to come along other people for the purpose of, first of all, helping them. And as you help them, you will be dispensing the grace of God. Ephesians, excuse me, Galatians 6.2 says this, Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. Now the word bear means carry with endurance. The word burdens is the idea of a heavy load, that which is difficult to carry. So what's he saying? He's saying that we will minister the grace of God when we come along people, beside people who are burdened, who are are weighed down by a situation, by something going on in their lives. It may be a sickness. It may be difficulties in the marriage. It may be difficulties in parenting. Whatever. But we come alongside them and we help them carry that load. We help them carry that burden. Well, how do you do that? There are several ways you can do that. Sometimes just being there and listening to what they're going through and giving a sympathetic ear helps them carry that load. I mean, how many of you have been going through something and you thought, man, if, if, if I just knew somebody that understood what I'm really going through, who really could, could just come alongside of me and just say, man, I understand. I've been there. I know what it's like. And I'm here for you. And so, when that happens, when you can come alongside someone and listen to them and pray for them, you know, or maybe it involves doing something for them. Maybe there's a a mother of young kids that just, you can tell she has just reached her limit. I mean, it's just gotten to her. Uh, And you can just call them and say, hey, you know, how about letting me just come over and and look after the kids for you so you can just get away. Just go do something, whatever you want to do for an hour or two. You know, just something like that is used to minister the grace of God. Enables her to live in that situation in a way that glorifies God. She gets a little break. She gets a little new, renewed energy and strength. So the first thing is we help people. Secondly, we come alongside people for the purpose of comforting one another. The word means to comfort. Somebody is troubled, hurting, grieving, and we come alongside them to offer comfort. And in doing so, you're ministering the grace of God. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now, what's, what's Paul saying there? He's saying it. you will go through situations in your life, God has engineered those situations so He can comfort you 
And you could turn around and comfort somebody else who's going through that same thing. And you know, nobody, nobody can comfort somebody else like someone who's walked where they're walking. I don't care. You just just can't do it. You just cannot do it. Until you walk in their shoes, there's no way you can bring the comfort they need. But when you walked in their shoes, and God has ministered His grace to you, and then you see somebody else going through that same thing, you can come alongside of them and share that comfort with them that God gave you. I am convinced that God brings situations in our lives for that very purpose, so that we can comfort other people. I know there are things that have happened in my life so that I could get comfort from God and I would be able to better comfort somebody else who is going through a similar thing. I mean, the people I can offer the best comfort to are the people that are going through something I've been through. And that's why when I see someone going through the loss of a loved one or some kind of situation, and I know somebody else has been through that, and I'll say, hey, that person needs to hear from you. I mean, who are you going to receive comfort from better? Somebody who's never been through what you're going through? Or somebody who has walked in your steps? You know, because somebody comes to comfort you that hasn't been through it, and you're thinking, they don't really know what I'm going through. And truth is, we don't. But... If they've walked there, if they've been there, if they have been in the midst of that adversity, that trouble, that grief, that loss, then you'll listen because you know they know what you're going through. And when you come alongside someone and you offer comfort because God has comforted you in a similar situation, you are dispensing the grace of God. And so when you're going through something now, seek the grace of God, but realize, hey, there's a high purpose for this. One day, God's going to use me to help somebody else who's in a similar situation. So that's the second way we dispense His grace, by comforting. Come alongside someone for the purpose of comforting them. Third, we exhort other people. We come alongside them for the purpose of exhorting them. The purpose of spurring them on. Giving them a spiritual kick in the seat of the pants. You know, we all tend to slack off at times. And we all need an exhorting word to spur us on. Paul talks about this over in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says, Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Now, this exhorting, this spiritual kick in the seat of the pants, needs to be done in the right way if it's going to be accepted. First of all, you need to have a relationship with that person. You're not going to be very effective at exhorting someone if you don't have a relationship because you have to earn the right to be heard. As a phrase in counseling calling earning the right to be heard. Again, the depth of confrontation should be no greater than the depth of relationship. Someone you really know, you really respect, your deep friend, can say things to you that acquaintance cannot say, and it really be effective. And so you need to build relationships, and it is that person that you care about, that you have that relationship with, that they may need a kick in the seat of the pants, and you need to come up to them and say, you know, I'm really troubled about something I see going on. The other night when we were hanging out with you guys, you know, I, I just, you know, I heard you speak to your wife in a way that just really upset me. I mean, are you always that harsh? I mean, do you really think that honors the Lord? 
Just a word like that spoken in love can be used as a means of exhorting and dispensing God's grace. Donna Rice, that name strike a note. Donna Rice, Gary Hart, does it make sense now? A boat called the Monkey Business. Does that strike a note? 1987, presidential hopeful candidate Gary Hart was called on a pleasure cruise to the Bahamas with a girl by the name of Donna Rice, who was not his wife, on a boat called the Monkey Business. When this hit the press, all hope of his presidential aspirations uh, went down the drain. Well, her life was put in instant turmoil itself. What you may not realize is Donna Rice had become a Christian as a freshman in high school and was very active in her youth group and in summer mission trips during high school. But when she went off to college, she got away from the Lord and started getting into compromising situations, and she just grew further and further away from the Lord. Well, when this situation hit the newspapers with Carrie Hart, her name was suddenly on every newspaper. She was being hounded by the press. She was being offered a million dollars for her story. And while she was trying to decide what to do, her grandmother said to her, Donna, before you make any decision, you need to get your life straight with God. And she says that just those words suddenly hit her. Yeah, you know, she could just turn all this over to God. You know, she had lost her job because of all this publicity and her life was just in shambles. And she could just turn it over to God. And she did. And she got her relationship to the Lord back on track. But that word of exhortation from her grandmother was used by God to dispense His grace, His enabling power in her life. There is a fourth way that we dispense God's grace, and that is to encourage one another. To come alongside someone for the purpose of encouraging them, of lifting them up. This word was used of the rallying call of the troops for the day's battle. It could be used of a pep talk before the game. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. That's what it is. It's a word to get people fired up, to stimulate them to do good deeds, to stimulate them to serve God. You know, you're not admonishing them. You're not getting on to them, but you're encouraging them. You're building them up. You know, this is what I try to do with my upward soccer team. You know, before the game, I say, guys, winners never quit, quitters never win. Get out there and we gotta gotta go when you get tired because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Just encourage them. I had one of them come to me, one of the little five, six year olds come to me after the game said, I got tired, but I kept going. I said, Great, there you go. It's getting in, isn't it? Encouraging them, just little things like that. Lifting them up, a little pep talk. Go out there and give it your best. Even when you're tired, keep going. We need to do that to each other at times, don't we? You know, there's some people that really great encouragement. There's that gift of encouragement. Uh, but even when, if we don't have that gift, we still can dispense God's grace as we encourage each other. That was a great job you did. You know, I told Janice, I said, Janice, you have done a great job with the confession. I mean, she's got it laid out there on the board and, and, and got the things up there for you to see them. I mean, she's done a great job. You know, just a word like that, I trust, encourages her and dispenses some grace 
Now, we need to be more quick to encourage and less quick to criticize, shouldn't we? You know, I'm convinced, uh, and my style of coaching is to use encouragement, positive reinforcements. You know, I, I think kids already know pretty much what they've done wrong once you've shown them how to do it. So you don't really need to concentrate on that. But concentrate on what they did right, encourage them to do right, uh, instruction, but instruct in a positive way. Uh, I just think that's a better approach. And I think it works better with, with us Christians as well, doesn't it? To encourage, to speak well, to, to, to uh, lift people up. Now there's another thing Paul says in these verses. He says, first of all, we are to parakaleo one another. Help, exhort, comfort, encourage one another. Anytime you're doing this, you're being a dispenser of God's grace. You know, help people envision what they can become in God. People get discouraged about their marriage. Help them envision what God wants for their marriage and what it can be by His grace. And help them envision the, the blessings that God desires to do in their situation and in their lives. But then secondly, he says in verse 11, we are to build up one another. Build up one another. Now this word is literally the word house and the word build. So build a house. Paul talks about us being spiritual stones in God's house. Build up people. That's what we're called to do. Now, how do we build up people? Three ways I think we can do it. First of all, we are to love one another. First Corinthians 8, 1 says, Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. Love builds up. As you show people God's love, you are dispensing His grace. As you show them the First Corinthians 13 love, patience, kindness, uh, Goodness, love does not remember wrong done against it. Love uh, is kind. All these things, as you show on the fruit of the Spirit, you're dispensing God's love. You're dispensing God's grace. Secondly, we're to pray for one another. As you pray for someone, as you pray for them, with them, you're dispensing God's grace. Somebody comes up and says, man, I'm really having a difficulty. I'm having a problem. I don't know what to do about this. After they share it with you, when I say, well, I'll tell you what, let's just pray about it right now. Let's just pray right now. You're dispensing God's grace to them and for them as you're praying for them. And then thirdly, we are to share insights from God's Word with one another. As God shows you something in His Word and you say, hey, let me share with you what God has shown me in His Word today. You're dispensing God's grace when you do that. God will use that Word to encourage them, to help them and build them up as well. Because the Word of God is food for our spirit. It builds us up. Just like food builds us up. Protein builds us up and is needed to build muscles. The Word of God is needed to build spiritual strength. And so sharing a Word that God has shown you, an insight that He shared with you, will dispense His grace to others. So how do we take hold of God's grace? Through other Christians. How do we dispense God's grace? As we encourage people, as we exhort people, as we comfort people, as we help people, and as we build people up through prayer and through sharing of Scriptures with them, as we build people up in the Lord. Will you be a dispenser of God's grace? That's what He's called you to do. There's nothing greater. You're not the producer, just the dispenser. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. 
We thank You that You have called us to dispense that grace and that we can dispense it because You fill us with Your grace. And may we rejoice in this privilege that You've given us. In Jesus' name, Amen. As we prepare for the Lord's Supper, we want to have a time of examination. I'm going to ask our deacons if they will come and take a seat on the front pew. And we're going to spend a moment just examining ourselves in the Lord. I'm going to ask Jonathan Frazier if you'll come down and help the men. Uh, Steve, Delosia, would you come help? Thank you. I want to examine ourselves in relationship, first of all, to the Lord. Paul told the church at Corinth that some of them were sick, some of them had actually even died because they had partaken of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And then he explains what that meant, unworthy manner. He says, You didn't examine yourself, you did not judge yourself rightly. Therefore, you partook of the Lord's table with sin in your life, and you actually brought judgment on yourself, God's hand of discipline. And so I think to partake of the Lord's table in a worthy manner means we need to, first of all, judge ourselves rightly, examine ourselves. First, examine ourselves in relationship to God. Make sure there's no unconfessed sin in our lives. Doesn't mean we have to be perfect. Doesn't mean we're sinless. But what it means is, that we're trusting God to give us victory over any sin that's in our lives, that we've acknowledged to God, this is wrong and I don't want it in my life. We're not trying to rationalize it away, saying, oh, that's just me, or that's just the way people are. You know. But have you brought before God every sin in your life? And what we're going to do is give you an opportunity to ask God to show you that. Also, I think it means He's Lord of every area of your life, as far as you know. As far as you know, there's no area you're holding back saying, no, Lord, you can't have this. You can't have my finances. You can't have my thought life. You can't have this. You can't have my relationships. But you're saying, Lord, I surrender all. Everything I am, everything I have, I surrender to You. It is the Lord's Supper. So we want to surrender to Him as Lord. And then, not only do we have to examine ourselves in relationship to God, but we have to do so in relationship to other Christians and other people. You know, are we harboring a grudge? Do we have an unforgiving spirit toward someone? You know, forgiveness is a choice we make. And we say, God, I want to forgive this person. I'm trusting you to work that forgiveness in my heart. And then we act forgiving toward them, and God begins to work in our hearts to bring the feelings. All right? Forgiveness is a choice of acting and doing toward a person. It's not just an emotion. In fact, we can't control that emotion. He has to deal with that. But what we do is say, yes, I want to forgive. I will trust you to work it in my heart, and I will act forgiving by your grace to this person next time I see him. Now, again, you don't have to have worked through totally forgiving everyone before you can partake of the Lord's table. But what you do need to do is say, Lord, I want to forgive them, and I'm trusting you to do that work in my life. It may be there's somebody here that you're harboring a grudge toward, and maybe you need to go and just talk to them and ask them to forgive you. And you need to get that relationship right right here. I want you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you belong to the Lord, if you've been born again into His kingdom by His Spirit, washed in the blood of the Lamb, then you can partake of this Lord's table after this examination. You don't have to be a member of Westside. Just be one of His. Belong to the Lord. Alright, let's pray. And you just ask the Lord to speak to you. Lord Jesus, we look to You to examine us 
to try us, to test us, to show us if there is any sinful way within us. Any sin we've not brought before you. Any area we've not surrendered to your Lordship. Any relationship to people that's not pleasing to you. That we're harboring bitterness or a grudge or an unforgiving spirit. Show us that that we might bring it before you in repentance.